Good afternoon. I'm your host, Amanda Holloway, for Solving Water, a Xylem podcast, and I'm coming to you live from Mine Expo International 2021 in Las Vegas. I can't tell you how good it feels to be back at a live trade show for the first time since February 2020. And I just want to thank all our listeners for joining us uh, for this special series about the mining industry. We have some great conversations in store for you, giving you perspectives that you won't find anywhere else. Hi, and welcome to Mine Expo 2021, day two. I am here at the Westgate with Dave Stover, Technical Training Manager for Industrial at Xylem, as well as Matt Kuhn, Market Development Manager for Industrial at Xylem. So thanks for joining me today. Hi, Amanda. Thanks for having us here. Hi, thank you. So essentially when I start these podcasts out, I just ask you guys to talk a little bit about yourselves and what you do for Xylem. So, Dave, if you sure. Go so, first. as as my title is, says, there I'm a technical training manager, and what I will do is I will go out to specifying engineers. I go to contractors. I go to a lot of different places, and teach or train on the technical aspects of the products and the pumps that we use in different applications. So, for example, here at Mine Expo, I might be going to a mine location and working with their team and their crew on how certain pumps in their situation work, like a vertical turbine pump or something like that. Teach about the pump, what it is, how it works, and what they can do with it, and how they're, how they're using it, where they may not even realize how they're using their pumps. I work alongside with David Stover. Uh, we work through you know, channel partners. Uh, David and I have done a, a number of trainings where we will find a facility, we will bring in engineers, we will bring in the end users, and we will do those trainings um, kind of in a, in a focus group. Uh, we've done that five years consecutively. It's been yeah. great. Yeah, Matt's my lead. He's the one that brings me in. He goes out and, and finds work for me and takes me to places and, and lets me do training. Sounds good. Well, I mean, it's perfect. It's like the dream team right here. Right, we've got David, who's going to talk about training and the applications, and Matt, you're going to talk a little bit more about the equipment, and the applications. Correct. So, let me start with you, Dave, for a question about your role. What are some low-hanging fruit opportunities for mines in terms of water management? I think it can be kind of overwhelming to have to assess all of the different ways water plays in, in a mine operation. So what are a few like low-hanging fruit opportunities for mine, mine operators? So in a, in a mine, depending on the type of mine that we're looking at, so there are different types. There's underground mines and there are large open pit mines. And open pit mine is probably one of the most common that we'll see across the United States for various applications. It could be for gold mines, it could be for rock quarries. Uh, well, they need, that's where you get gravel from that they use to make roadways and cement and stuff like that. Uh, water is their best friend and it is their worst enemy at the same time. Okay, so when you have a giant large hole in the earth, and I'm talking about a hole that might be a half a mile wide and a quarter of a mile deep, and when it rains, that's just a big funnel for all this water to run into. So now that goes in and floods equipment and it floods work area and things like this. So they have to deal with this. And so that's probably the easiest or the lowest hanging fruit for a mine work is to mitigate and get rid of that water as quickly as possible. Now that water can also come from the earth. 
So we have parts of the earth, uh, the, of the country or the planet where as you dig down in the, into the earth, the natural groundwater starts to come up. Well, you've got to get rid of that faster than it comes in so that you can continue to work and dig and get more rock or gold or what, diamonds, whatever you're mining for. And so there it becomes, you know, again, uh, that's your problem that you have to work on. But mine dewatering is one of probably the biggest things and the easiest part or the stuff to work on, lowest hanging fruit, because that's always a concern for the mine. And Matt, what kinds of solutions does Xylem have that would help with that? So in the dewatering side of things, we have submersible type of pumps that we utilize for that. We also have our uh, dry prime, you know, self-priming you know, engine and or electric driven pumps with Godwin. Uh, we also use uh, vertical turbines at times. So in some cases you may, you may dewater uh, from a, a, a hole like a well that's drilled and they will continue to, to draw down the, the natural aquifer or the, the water that's in the ground. They're trying to pull it out from a well before it enters into the actual pit itself. Uh, so a multiple uh, product offering that we have with Xylem to do that. What are some of the top things that you teach or are asked to teach as part of your training? Like, do you get requests or from customers or Absolutely. partners to, yeah. to do specific types of training? We do specific types. Uh, generally, I try to do it uh, well-rounded, pretty much the whole product. But one of the key things is is how to select the right pump. All right, so the right size because it's just think of it kind of like a, a vehicle. You know, we have everything from the small little Yugo cars to big semis that pull tractor trailers, right? And so our pumps are the same way. We're little small pumps to do small jobs and small work to the great big ones. So how do you know which one's the right one? And then when you get to the right one, whenever you get to your, like say your trucks, let's we're looking at a pickup truck. We got half ton, three quarter ton, one ton, ton and a half. We got different size trucks. Well, I got different sizes of the same pump. So that's what customers are asking for. So they asked me to go in and teach them how to find the right one to do their job. And then, all right, at the same time, how can I make this work longer? What should I do to make it stand up and be more rugged and more durable? And so we talk about materials of construction, you know, the stuff that we make it out of to, to make it stand up to. In, in mining, abrasion is, is a big issue. So you get sand in there. Sand going through a pump, it grinds it down, wears it out wears it out quickly. And just like any other consumer, they want their product to last longer, as long as they possibly can. So they want to find out if they can make it do that. What are you seeing, Matt, as terms of what customers are requesting? Yeah, it's usually a combination of matching that material uh, to their, their application. And uh, a lot of times we have to get very selective of what we put in there or recommend. Uh, and a lot of it's for the longevity to make it last. You know, some of these applications are very difficult and they will wear the equipment out. So you're, you're really trying to give them the best life possible. So what is a good example of a, a, a long, healthy life of a, of a pump in, in, an, in a mine where it's going to be a lot of abrasive? Or... So for, for our side, we do have, like on the flight product as an example, we have pumps that are in the classified or, or can be utilized as a slurry pump. Um, as that that material is highly abrasive, it's kind of like thinking of it as a like cement, as an example. When you're pumping that, it has a high amount of solids in it. 
and those particulates are going to wear out pumps that aren't designed to handle that material. Um, you know, that's one aspect. The, the well side or the uh, tailing ponds, you, you have to pull the material out of there and, and you're going to have some fine sediment that also plays havoc on some of the pumps that are not that are designed more as a clean water pump but are being used in an application that has a sediment. You have to address those things as well. We do that. And are there, with these slurry pumps, obviously they're designed to manage that kind of material, um, but are there things that mine operators can do in terms of maintaining those pumps? So I, I know eventually they're gonna wear out, but like, but what, what else can they do in the, in the meantime, anything? As David talked about earlier, it's about picking the right pump for the job. Um, if you apply the pump, then it's in the, it's, you use the car analogy. So if you have a small pump to do the big pump job, it doesn't really work out and kind of vice versa. If the pump's too big, it's not happy as, as well. So there's really a, a, a fine spot uh, within the range of that equipment to operate it. So if you're operating it too far one side or too far to the other, it's not as happy. So it's really about proper selection. Okay, makes sense. Just to go back to training a little bit, um, how are you seeing, I mean, COVID is one thing, but generally speaking, for over the time you've been training, mm-hmm. how have you seen that evolving? Like, how have you been evolving your training? What are, what are the things that you've had to change most as, as time has gone on? So, uh, we train today, we, as you said, it, it evolves a lot. Right, so one of the things, back to the first part of your question, how have I seen it change? Really it's the demographic or the, the, the group of people that comes to the training classes, okay? So right now we are going through a stage or a phase where we are seeing a lot of what's commonly called tribal knowledge. This is senior people that's been out there for 30, 40, 50 years that are starting to retire, okay? so. Now I'm getting a, a newer group of younger people, okay? And so they will look at things in a different way and they'll look at different pumps, options that the senior group necessarily wouldn't have done because they may not like this particular style because it's something new or it's something they're not familiar with or, you know, not that it doesn't work and not that, it, that it's not right, okay? Uh, and then the, the newer attendees to the training, they are more open to the new ways of controlling pumps. And this is something that we've talked about in other t- conversations where we talked about variable frequency drives, where we use pumps in a, in a, in a, a multi-speed application. And that is, that is the future of pumps today. The pump itself has been developed. It's been around for thousands of years. It's, been, you know, it's made efficient. Unless we come up with some super material that's unobtainium, something that doesn't exist out there, that has a zero friction coefficient and things like that, you know, unless we come up with that, which I don't believe we are, it's going to be the way you run your pump is going to make the difference, okay? And when we use a variable frequency drive, the, what that does, that gives us the ability to speed up and slow down our pump as the application needs it. So like when we're dewatering in the bottom of a mine like that, as, the, as it's raining and the water's pouring in real fast and the water level's starting to climb, we can speed that pump up and make it run faster and pump more water. And then as it gets down towards the bottom and we're getting the, the, the pit dried out, then we start slowing that pump down so it's not running so fast and we're pumping that running out of water. 
and things along that line. And these are the things that we're seeing with our new classes and we're seeing new people, you know, addressing this sort of stuff and taking on new technologies, taking on the technology to be able to run their pumps and to run their mine from a central operation control center. So they can set a mile away and see what their pump's doing and through simple controls and monitoring equipment that we have today at Xylem. And what other challenges does that solve for? Because it sounds like, you know, there's there's the age-old challenge of downtime in mines. We don't want that to happen, right? We right. want to prolong the life cycle of the products. Mm-hmm. Um, but by, by finding the right product for the job mm-hmm. and then also, you know, working with these these new newer technologies I mean VFDs have been around for a while but (laughs) but if if the the industry is more open to them now than ever before and same thing with uh, remote monitoring controls just curious you know what are some of the other challenges outside of downtime and product lifecycle these types of technologies help solve for so these will help us uh, again it's, it's you know helping to mitigate downtime. So what we can do is now with some of the new technology, we can monitor our pump and we can see a, a trend towards a possible upcoming issue. So a lot of times with the pump, because the pump is a piece of rotating equipment, whenever something starts to go bad, it may start off as a tiny vibration inside of it. And that will proceed to a larger vibration, which will proceed to a noise a sound that you hear something knocking on the inside, right? And that in turn can even go, go on if it's, if it's left unchecked till we get catastrophic failure and we have mechanical breakdown altogether. With the new technology, we can see that vibration in its earliest phase and we can, we can see and we can see how it starts to progress and know that, all right, now I need to go out here. I got to look at this and see what's causing this. And then, depending on how we have our technology set up on our pumps, we may be able to locate the exact position in the pump that this is coming from. Because we can put multiple monitors on these large pumps that we've got. And so you can look at it and see if it's a bearing in the pump or a bearing in the motor. And then when you go out there, you can take a look at it and see if the bearings are getting hot, you know, and we can take a look like that. So we can reduce that downtime. And then we can also schedule it to be repaired which is a key thing. It doesn't break arbitrarily out of the middle of nowhere and now my, my, my operation is, is out of work. We're done, you know, till we get this pump fixed. I start to see an issue with it. I can call a technician, he can go out, take a look at it and go, oh, I need to get a new rotating assembly. Okay, get it on order, we'll have it ready. And then next time that we're down for other maintenance and repair, we can pull this pump apart and repair it and get it back online and never have a downtime on that pump. And that's, that is the future of how we're going to be seeing. You're going to see this in a lot of technologies and a lot of different applications where it's monitoring that pump up front and being able to keep an eye on it. It's kind of like the little light on your dash, you know, whenever it starts to, well, on the gas, gas tank, when it starts to flash, you know, it's, it's getting close, but if it goes solid red, you know, it's like, all right, we need to do something. Yeah. That's what we're doing with, with, with monitors and controls today. Yeah, no, I think it. I think it's great. I, you know, I'm curious what you're seeing out there. From, I mean, you're saying that there's more of a, an appetite for this type of technology, mm-hmm. but you know, I've heard rumors that it can be hard to get folks to use this remote monitoring equipment because they're used to having a person on site, 
or um, they're just not familiar with how it works, or what are what are the barriers? The, the pump industry any? is an old industry, so there's a lot of uh, people that are very comfortable with the things, the way things have been. You know, it, in general, people don't like change, so they get very complacent with what's been working, and they also know from the time experience it says okay this is going to happen around this time they're very comfortable with that when you add a change to their process there's a learning curve that comes into play and new technology is always scary uh, from the onset because you have to learn how this works and so the part of the training side is explaining what it's doing looking at how these trends are occurring and recognizing what those those graphs look like, because all of this remote monitoring has graphs, and you can recognize a, a certain type of failure or uh, anomaly that's starting to occur with the equipment, and you can actually pinpoint where it is, as David says. You can you get a baseline, and then as it starts to wear, you can say that is the bearing, or this is you know due to you know a, a shaft that's out of it's out of uh, it's not straight anymore. You know, you can find coupling misalignment. You can find all these different things in this trend. Uh, but you have to train somebody how to read the data. If they're not used to it now and they don't have it, that's kind of where we come in to help train them on what they're doing or what okay. they're seeing. Okay, so I'm a customer who's very interested in learning more about our technology, whether that's field smart technology or what, whatever other um custom controls that we create uh, and how do I go about understanding not only what it is I'm going to buy right so I'm looking at this FST and also how to use it like what do I where, where do I start where do I go I think you from our perspective Dylan, we we'd like to ask the questions of, of what have their historical failures been that have caused them downtime. Um, and maybe it's it's unplanned, right? You know, you have planned downtime, and then you have failures. You know? So you're always trying to, to limit that mean time between failure. Like you want to give them the most time between, give them all the education they can so that they can reduce those emergency failures. So understanding the historical failures gives you an idea of what it is that has gone wrong. And from that perspective, you can use the trending from, from our data and say, this is this is what you're going to look for that's going to point you to that type of failure. So if I wanted to, to get this ball rolling, I would reach out to you. If you would so, talk to me about, yeah, so to, yes. I would reach out to Matt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I, we would talk about what my needs are in the mine. Correct. And then... Dave, you come on site, or do you have like a big training, like time frame? Is it custom by? It most of the training is is, is customized. Great. Okay, to the to different fields, different you know things that the situations and so forth, and then a lot of times, yeah, I go on site. So typically, what will happen is you know you go to Matt and you explain to Matt that you've got an issue and you'd like to learn more. And you know you've got operators. I've got these people, and I got a, I got a guy rides by my pump every day, and I need I need him to understand what he's looking at and this sort of thing. And then Matt's going to take a look at you, look at your situation, go to your facility, take a look at that, and assess it. Then come back. He'll come to me, 
and then he and I'll discuss it and then we'll set up training and then you'll we'll schedule that with you at your facility and you know you can you've got a, a training room possibly or a trailer I mean I've done these in, in construction trailers I've done them uh, I've done them in you know training facilities I've done them in hotels you know it's uh, it's, oh, it's it's easy if I can find a place just to get everybody you know, give them a table and a chair and sit down and then we can we can go through but we'll put it together to match your needs to be able to do it you know and if there needs to be other other people persons brought in so let's just say some of my uh, uh, controls people you know we bring some of them and they sit down and we go through what you've got and then explain everything one of the key parts of training is is taking the fear out of something okay and that's part of the problem with the new technologies is people they don't they don't know it they don't understand it and so they're afraid of it right and so if I can take the fear away from it if you can look at it and go oh that's what that means then whenever you see it it's okay and that's how we turn this around and we get it back to you know the new technology and get stuff happening and once again like I said we've got younger people doing it so I got younger people today that I mean to them computers and the stuff that they do on their telephones and and all these different aspects I mean this is life that they've grown up with where see when I was doing this with their fathers and their grandfathers you know these are guys that you know they had pocket calculators at best you know so it's major difference there so I got the younger crew today that's embracing and ready to see this and they want to see it and so that's why we're starting to see this this trend in this direction well, that's, that's awesome, and I guess I was totally right about the fact that you guys are truly the dream team of, we, of we, mining. We, Xylem tries to be a solution you're, solver, you know, and yeah. we pull the right people together. We can make just about anything happen. Well, so then, can you tell me about any particular project or um, situation that you guys have worked on together that stands out for you? So... Um, We've had a few instances with uh, some installations over the years with vertical turbines where Dave and I uh, have had to collaborate quite a bit on how to you know, solve some challenges. Um, it, and so historically, I would say that we've spent, I don't know how many hours of, of going through these World. things. And, and it's it's training, It's uh, some of it is the learning experience even on our side you know things okay. that we thought were the right solution ended up not being the right solution initially. interesting so um sometimes that happens as long as you've been in this business you will find people that are 40 years in and they've never come across a situation and you bring this to them and they've never seen it mm-hmm. and that's that's always an eye-opener you think to yourself wow i went to this person who's you know, I look at them as the expert, or Dave looks at them, or vice versa, and all of a sudden you've you've stumped the expert. expert. And so that's that is the, the the biggest challenge I would say as we continue to move forward. We have a lot of people that are moving on that tribal knowledge that, that David talked about. It's so hard to extract that and, and pass it on. And so there's there's so many times with the turbines that we've worked on on problems and opportunities to improve that uh, I would say that that's that's where we spent the most time. Yeah. What kind of I mean, can you talk a little bit about what kind of issues that that, that can happen with the turbines? I mean, you don't have to get into 
Um, super detailed. Vibration. But... Vibration is a big one. Okay. Um, that's a very unique uh, piece of machinery. Okay. Uh, there's there's uh, some challenges with the design um, that at times get overlooked uh, or oversimplified. Okay. And, and so there's there's also we talked about VFDs earlier and the the use of VFDs and and they are a nice device to to control the pumps you know output if you will the the speed and it, it affects its uh, performance. But it also introduces a lot of challenges to the design, and there's there are ways to improve that from the design of it from the onset. But there, you don't always have all the pieces to that puzzle. So it's about asking the right questions early on and getting everybody involved from the design engineer for the from the consultant side. They have to understand the challenges the our own engineering group when we design the pump equipment we need all of the right pieces to build it correctly and there's times that uh, we have to go in and redo it that's that's the biggest one that's we, we we've had issues like that and this is not uncommon and this is this is an industry-wide because of the introduction of, of variable frequency drives because the variable frequency drive lets us speed it up and slow it down is before the variable frequency drive, the VFD, when we started the pump up, it went from zero to full speed in like two seconds. Okay, and so the vibration was there, but it happened so fast you never saw it. And today I can, it's like driving my car, I can let up on the gas pedal, right? And I'll slow down, like let up on the gas pedal of my pump and it'll slow down. Well, it gets down to a certain point and then it'll quiver and we'll get a little vibration out of it. Now, this is well, the instances that Matt and I have had the, the, these were vertical turbine pumps, and they were what we would call a short set vertical turbine. Now, this is very, very common in the mine. It's extremely common in the, in the dewatering down that bottom of that big hole where I'm getting, pumping all that water out. It's a short set turbine, just like we did with these applications. And because we're on the VFD, now we run into a vibration at a particular speed, and it, and it moves from pump to pump and location to location. So that's where Matt and I had to go in and take a look at it and, take, and try to figure out, okay, what is the speed? Now, what, how do we mitigate this? And how do we make a change to the system and then get the customer to be happy because we're changing his design now. We're changing what he said he wanted to have. I mean, we've got to be able to do that and fix that and make him happy. And so that's what we do. And it'll be like myself and Matt in there and then we'll bring in other like our, uh, senior field service technician, Raymond Lewis. And Raymond is just I mean, an absolute wizard on pumps. And he comes in and we just start hammering away till we get it until we get the customer taken care of and do what they need. It's really cool. And I'm guessing you're also solving for other challenges along the way. So customers are coming to you with, I mean, not just in the training, from the training perspective, although I think that that's part of it, but mm -hmm. you know, do you guys get questions about safety or environmental uh, mm -hmm. compliance, uh, efficiency, mm -hmm. cost, any of those all of, <laughs> all, 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 all of every bit of it and all of it you know all right, so even like the last bullet that you said you know efficiency right there see that's one of the key ones you know all right, and that depends on who my audience is so if I'm doing training and I'm working with a specifying engineer so to them efficiency is, is a big thing because efficiency equals money to operate the higher I can efficiency I can get that the lower the cost is to operate 
okay so that's one of the things all right and so then i have like in the mines you know i have the the health and safety guys so then i gotta make sure that the material that is we're pumping is taken care of it's all kept in place because sometimes we get into some pretty nasty material in these mines you can get into some very low ph waters acidic waters we can be in gold mines and we may be pumping cyanide yeah and it's concentrated because that's what they use to leach gold Okay, and so you've got to be able to contain all that. You can't have it leaking all over the place. So, you know, these are things that we have to do. And part of my job as a trainer, you train that, that customer on that product and how to take care of it. This is what you do to make sure that your seals are in, intact and they're working. You're not going to get any leakage. This is what you do to take care of your efficiencies and keep your pump operating at the most optimum level so that you keep your operating cost as low as possible. That's our goal with this, and that's a lot what training is. And again, that's taking the fear of that pump, taking it away, so that customer's comfortable with it whenever they're using that pump. And that, you know, knowledge is, is, is that, and education is power. You teach that customer, you make them powerful. And it works. I, I love that perspective, for sure. What, so what's, what's next for you, David? Like, what, in terms of training, what are you seeing as kind of your next thing to tackle? So, uh, again, we are, it's, it's the going forward in the next coming year and years, most all of this is going to be, again, on monitors and controls, on monitoring your pump. The pump part itself, everything that I've always been doing and so forth, that's more or less going to stay the same. Because, as I said earlier, the pump's been around a long, long time. It's not changing, okay? Again, it's going to be how I run that pump and how I take care of it and I monitor it and I watch it. And so it's how we integrate those two things together and training people on that stuff, you know, and how to watch it, how to take care of it, and how to avoid, you know, avoid the problems before they happen. You know, that's going to be the, that's going to be the future of training and going forward. I think this past year has uh, also exposed a lot more virtual training opportunities that uh, weren't exploited as much as they were in our past. Um, it's, it's shown that we're still able to perform training and people are able to attend. Uh, it's even even with our you know pump tests, a lot of times we'll do a witness testing at our facilities and we've been able to implement virtual testing. So there's a lot of things that we've done just technology-wise to help us do multiple things with our business, expose Xylem's products and what we can do to solve problems for our customers. Yeah, that's cool. I was in um, Pewaukee recently and we're just talking about virtual testing a little bit and just how that whole process came about basically out of necessity and it saves a lot of time, money, right. labor. So we've been using that in, in uh, our Lubbock, Texas facility where we manufacture the vertical turbines. Uh, it, it's, it's not uncommon that a, an engineer, they want to do a what they call a witness test where they actually go to the, the factory and they'll watch their pump being tested and so forth. Well, for any of you that's ever been to Lubbock, Texas, it's not the easiest place to get to. I haven't been there, but I've heard stories. Yeah, it, 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 there's just about anywhere you come from, there's a stop, there's a layover somewhere and sometimes two or three. So uh, it can be a challenge to get there. So that, out of necessity, we came up with the virtual testing. 
now you can be anywhere in the world and you can watch your pump being tested live and you can control the cameras and over and you can sit in your office and do it over your computer and sit there and run the test and see it and witness it as it's being done and so and that and saving travel time and you know airfare airlines hotels all these other different things that goes along with it let alone your time just being able to right this witness test took an hour instead of four days Right? Yeah. So that's what that, you know, again, that was, you know, necessity is what that did. And, you know, engineers were absolutely loving it. They, you know, for the longest time, they, they, they really, I mean, wanted to go to the factory. That was the deal. Until they had to go to Lubbock or someplace. You know, and Lubbock's not the only one. I mean, there's a lot of factories that are in, in strange locations around the world that you just, you know. Right. Or you have a global pandemic. Yeah. yeah. And you just can't you can, go can't, anywhere. You can't go. <laughs> right. But we're essential business, especially in these types of applications. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. we have to keep, you have to do something. Yep. How has the show been for you? Any any uh, interesting tidbits across the last couple days? I think it's been a great show for us. Um, I've been very, very satisfied, very happy with the turnout and the customers and the, cu- the people that stop by. We've had a lot of good quality conversations and that's, that's the key to it right there. When you do a trade show like this, when you've got quality conversation, interaction with end users, with clients, potential clients, and things along this line, that makes a big, big difference. And yesterday and today both, because this is day two into the, the, the show, have been really, really good. We've had good turnout. We've had good good participation. I've been happy with it. I think that it was a, a, a good success, big time. I would second that. I, I think the quality of the conversations have been good. Uh, it's uh, sometimes you can have a show that uh, there's a lot of traffic, but it's not a lot of substance. Cool. Well, that's good to hear, right? I mean, yep. it's the first time we've been together in a while with COVID and all that jazz. But then also, my expo only happening once every four years or mm-hmm. five, if you count. Right. In this case, you have year. five years. I've been, yeah. I, I think it was well worth it. Honestly, I do. Uh, it it's definitely should be something that we look at on the next time around. Fantastic. Anything else you guys want to make sure uh, our audience knows about what you do? Well, the the key thing is, you know, we we are here to to help the customers take care of their needs, uh, whether that be supplying product, repairing product, uh, getting them out of an emergency situation as our dewatering guys do all the time. Uh, our training, teaching and let, help, helping them to understand what they can do and what can be done and this sort of thing. So, uh, you know, we are here to, to, to make our community and our people, you know, a lot better. We are constantly out there trying to monitor and make sure the stuff is covered. We have, uh, in light of the recent storms and hurricanes that's gone through, we have crews that were on the standby and ready to move the day after. So they were there to respond, and that's what that's what Godwin we dewatering does. They they and they were there. They stepped up as they could. So we're here for you. Call us when you need us. Always. Sounds good. Well, we'll be sure to include some information in the show notes for our listeners if they'd like to reach out and get some help with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have a final question that I ask all my podcast guests. So I will ask this 
I'll ask you first, Matt, and then it's the same question for you. But what's the most important thing you've learned in the water business so far? Oh wow, uh, that's a that's a huge question. I don't know if you, how much time do we have? <laughs> well, I mean, the water is a cycle of life. At the end of the day, this this planet has got the it has the same water that the dinosaurs had. It just changes its cycle. So it's either a gas, it's either a liquid, or it's a solid. We have to take care of it. It's one of our most precious items on this rock that we're spinning around. It, it's something that a lot of people take for granted. They don't realize what it takes to actually have good, clean, drinkable water. And our bodies are made 70%. You know, we have to stay hydrated. Well, the fastest way to do that is to drink good, clean water. Okay, now you're up, David. What's the most important thing you've learned in the water business so far? So, uh, as Matt said, I mean, I've learned that, you know, this is something that we've got to have, is the water that we, you know, that we use and we, you know, depend on. And we have to be able to move this water and transport it. If you take away the pumps, then everybody has to move back to the rivers and the lakes and the ponds and the streams and they'll live no further away than they can haul water in a bucket because you've got to have the water so that's where everybody's going to go to so we have pumps and i learned a long time ago that pumps is going to be here to stay and this is a pretty good living is working on pumps if you've got a pump that's that's a good deal and you've got to have them as long as you're going to have as long until water flows uphill You've got to have a pump. Well, we're in the right place for that then, right? Right. Well, I just want to thank you both for joining me today, Dave and Matt, and have a good rest of the show, and uh, we'll have you back on the, on the podcast again in the future. Well, thank you. Thank you. The Solving Water Podcast is produced and distributed by Xylem a global water technology company of more than 16,000 employees committed to solving critical water and infrastructure challenges worldwide. Stream, download, and subscribe.